0: I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all.
1: Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, folks. It's Derek Wetmore from Hammond Stadium in Fort Myers, Florida. Special episode of the Touch All podcast today where we sit down with Jake DePue. Jake covers the minor leagues for 1500 com, and we basically just had a sit down in the press box watching him cut the grass and rake the sand and uh, talk about minor league prospects and that kind of thing. Thanks to everyone who's written in about these special episodes. Uh, It sounds like they're a pretty popular thing. People like the interviews with Pat Royce, with RJ Anderson. So we'll try and keep that going. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe on iTunes and give us five stars if you don't mind. And without further ado, here's my interview with Jake DePue. All right, Jake is sitting here. We are in the press box at Hammond Stadium, Fort Myers, Florida, Jake's down here for a couple of days from the East Coast, from Boston, and covering a little bit of Twins spring training. Uh, Jake, we're going to focus on the minor leagues, but of course there's some overlap. We can talk about guys who are on the fringe of the roster, or anything you want to really. This is your conversation. Um, I think people are most excited about Royce Lewis in terms of prospects, but he's not that close to the majors, and I think we should focus more on that. Uh, side of things, so you and I were talking about Nick Gordon the other day. Maybe that's the place to start. Um, you are you're a semi Nick Gordon fan. Do you think that we're going to see him in 2018 at Target Field? First of all, thanks
0: for uh, having me on. I'm a long time listener, first time guest, yeah, and best. I've been rehearsing uh, that line in my head all morning, and <laughs> I think I knocked it out of the park, to be honest with you. So, uh, but uh, as far as Nick Gordon. To me, it's, barring injuries, it's unlikely that we'll see him at Target Field in 2018. If we did, I think it would be as a September call-up. The Twins have moved him up one level and kept him at that level throughout the entirety of the season. He's never uh, had a promotion mid-season. So, If I had to guess right now, uh, assuming Polanco stays healthy and and is productive and and Dozier uh, obviously stays healthy... I would guess he would spend all of two thousand eighteen at Rochester
1: and this is not your first episode of the podcast because you called in one time to an episode that we had uh we opened up the voicemail inbox, and I believe you were one of the phone calls that left a message
0: well, that is true, although I was known as curse of Punto at that point, so I don't I guess we can uh we can count that sure sure
1: first time under your real name non pseudonym um. What is it that Phil Mackey was saying the other day uh, on the radio, and then we put it on the podcast, that he's not a big Nick Gordon fan, and his point was basically that he doesn't have one standout skill. Like, Sanoa has the power. Uh, Buxton always had the glove in the arm. Gordon, I guess, doesn't have one of those main things, but I countered by saying, yeah, but he does everything kind of well. He runs enough. He'll steal some bases. He can play defense up the middle. You know, whether he sticks at shortstop or not, still an open question, I guess. A little bit of power, although not great. And then he hits. Like, he just hits. He seems to me like the kind of guy who almost can't help but contribute in the majors over the next five years. Which side of that coin do you fall on?
0: I guess I would probably fall somewhere in the middle. Uh, I would question, <laughs> I would question your, your claim that he steals bases. I'm looking at his uh, page here. Last year, he stole... 13 bases all year and got caught seven times so uh the year before that he stole 19 bases but got caught 13 times so to me there's a lot of work uh left to go there i mean he's a solid hitter he's a very solid hitter he hit 270 slugged 408 uh as a shortstop in double a last year as one of the youngest regulars in double a i mean that, that those are solid numbers he you know, hit lead off in the futures game and played shortstop. So there's a lot to like there with the bat. Certainly he added a lot of power. Uh, last year he hit nine home runs. He'd only hit five, I believe in his career uh, prior to that combined. So uh, he's bulking up. He's adding power. He, he's a solid bat. There, there's no question in my mind. He's going to contribute in the big leagues, but I do agree with Phil that he doesn't do anything spectacularly well. He doesn't have an elite skill. Uh, he. You know, he's never hit 300 in a season. That doesn't mean he won't. Again, he's only 22. Um, you know, he his fielding is, to me, and I, I just talked to an evaluator about this last week for an article that's going to go up on the website. He he said that he doesn't talk to, or he's talked to hardly anybody who believes that Gordon can stick as a full-time shortstop. That doesn't mean he can't be a utility type guy or, or, or switch positions, but I don't, at this point I really question uh, whether he can stick it short and if he can't then the the bat has to do obviously a lot more for him to be you know an all star caliber player uh, but will he be a contributor in the big leagues? yeah I, I don't think there's much question about that. I think he'll probably be a big league starter. I just don't know that his ceiling is necessarily you know elite four to five war player.
1: Fair, and I just think there's value in having a guy that you're pretty sure is going to be a 10 win player sure. over you know six seasons or or whatever. Let's not belabor that point. Um, I think 2018 will be a fascinating year for Gordon, probably starting at Rochester. You know, he's probably their opening day shortstop. Um, speaking of opening day, we've spent a lot of time on the podcast on fifteen hundred ESPN.com talking about who's the Twins' opening day starter. I still think it's Jake Rizzi. Who is the opening day rotation? They're probably going with a four-man group to start. And we talked about who those four names would be. You wrote a piece for 1500ESPN.com last week, I believe, about the depth that will exist at Rochester. That, okay, while the Twins don't have an ace, there's no Clayton Kershaw or you Darvish or Chris Archer. Um, they do have some depth of, like, number four, number five starter types. And there's something to be said for that. Uh, With that all as a backdrop, who do you think gets the ball for the Red Wings on opening day? And maybe who fills out that rotation?
0: So if I had to guess, and I wrote this in the column, I would guess that Adalberto Mejia will get the ball opening day for Rochester. I think because of Phil Hughes' contract, my guess is they want to give him some starts at the beginning of the season in the big leagues to show to it, to to try to demonstrate that he has something left in the tank. Um I think that's debatable at this point but certainly, you know, the, they're going to allow him to to I think make some starts in April at least. So that basically means that mejia is the odd man out because they're very likely going to start with a four man rotation and so yeah, to me, Mejia will, will be the opening day starter and probably in line to be the fifth starter when the Twins need one in, I think, mid-April is the first time they'll need one. Uh, but yeah, after that, they're, it's a loaded AAA rotation. So you've got Mejia is probably the opening day starter. Aaron Slagers uh, is likely going to be in that rotation. And then the prospects, uh, Fernando Romero and Steven Gonzalez, I would guess, will uh, start at at AAA. Um, as far as their fifth starter, I wouldn't be surprised if they use um, one of their minor league veterans, um, somebody like Miles J, uh, to to start there while while Zach Littell and, and, and Felix Jorge uh, start at Double A and continue to develop there. It's certainly possible that they could start one of those guys um, at Triple A. But yeah, between Double A and Triple A, they're going to have a great deal of depth, maybe not a lot of top of the rotation potential arms outside of Romero, but certainly a lot of mid to back end arms starting with, uh, and, and, and Zach Littell as well.
1: And I'm curious about what that means for Annabelle Sanchez, what it means for Tyler Duffy, but those are not exactly sexy names. So unless you have some strong opinion, I'll just fast forward past them and ask you. I have a strong opinion on Annabelle
0: Sanchez, uh, which is, Similar to, uh, so I saw Phil tweeted uh, when they signed Sanchez that that Sanchez was closer to being an accountant uh, than a big league starter, and I would tend to agree with that take uh, based on the last three years that, that Sanchez put up with Detroit. But uh, maybe
1: Josh Kalk can
0: uh, can can spin something there.
1: And I contended to Phil that for somebody who's made so much money in his career, Anibal got the huge contract. I find it extremely unlikely that he will go back to being an accountant, yes. uh, unless it's out of the generosity of his heart, sort of like a pro bono, you know, goodwill kind of thing.
0: Fair enough. Yes, I, I don't, I don't know that I really have a retort to that. But we can we can debate uh, what Annabelle Sanchez's post career plans are <laughs> yeah. in a future episode.
1: Hey, let's let's maybe wait two weeks or so before we get into the, you know, patting dirt on his baseball grave. Um, Although I'm not going to defend any ball, he had a rough couple of innings here the other day. We were watching that in the press box at uh, Hammond Stadium, so uh, I do want to focus on a um maybe I shouldn't have used the adjective sexy, but like a more intriguing name than Sanchez or or even Duffy, who who might start at Rochester or who might be in the Twins bullpen or who, if things break right, might be in their rotation. For all we know, um. But we've seen Duffy. We, we, as followers of the Twins, we know a little bit about Tyler Duffy. We know relatively little about Zach Littell, who you wrote about for the website. Um, I got to be honest with you. I was surprised when I saw your numbers. What did you come up with about Littell? Maybe just give us the gist of the column and, and what you think about the prospect from the Yankees organization, who's now it probably starts at Chattanooga, but you could see him in the big leagues by this summer.
0: Yeah, so the gist of the column was essentially that Zach Lattell, I believe, is the fifteenth ranked prospect according to MLB.com in the in the Twins organization. And if you look at the column and look at his his numbers from last year, he outperformed Gonzalez uh, and Romero uh, both in in traditional numbers like ERA, uh, wins and losses. Obviously, pretty much a meaningless stat, but he did go nineteen and one. And there's, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to do. <clears throat> Much better than that, uh, but but if you look at his secondary numbers, if you look at strikeout rate, walk rate, uh, ERA plus things like that, he had a better year at a younger age than Gonzalez or Romero uh, in his age twenty one season. I believe his ERA was two point one two. He had a similar FIP uh, as as both of those guys, um, and so I, I mean I think the knock. Against littell is that he doesn't have plus pitches he, his ceiling is is sort of mid to back of the rotation starter based on what i've read uh but i don't know i'm i'm willing to give him time and see if he can develop into more than that because he his his numbers are outstanding and uh if he can repeat what he did at double a uh in you know in A this season i think his stock uh is going to rise pretty quickly here.
1: So would he be getting docked? Uh, I I think both. So last spring we talked with Romero about coming off of multiple injuries and this being a year where he just tries to stay healthy. Talked to him the other day. He said similar. Like his goal this year is to just pitch a full slate of innings. Wherever that leaves him, he says he doesn't care um, in terms of like promotion-wise. Gonsalves, similar story. And he was pitching with a bit of an injury last year. I think he got hurt in spring, if I recall correctly. Um, and that he was sort of working through that, like, would that be, I I mean, I'm just trying to come up with a guy who seems to have good stuff and has succeeded at a young age at double a seems to be. And I think that we're suffering from a little bit of the halo effect. Like if Derek Falvey wanted this pitching prospect, we tend to think like, Oh, there must be something there. And I, and, and I have some of that. I have to admit that bias, um, i i'm just I'm trying to sort through like where he'll end up and why he's not as highly regarded right now um do you know enough about his stuff or things like that to explain why he's getting docked there
0: yeah so he has four pitches i but i, I think the the major reason that he's getting docked in prospect rankings is that his fastball is low nineties at best, so he sits around ninety ninety one um the evaluator that that I talked to last week said he has two potentially three pitches that could end up being average MLB pitches, um, and so he he said that um, he sees Latell as a potential four or five um, as kind of his ceiling, which has a lot of value, right? I mean, as a, that's I don't want to understate that, um, but I think his his lack of sort of overpowering stuff is is why he gets stuck. But Gonzalez doesn't have uh, overpowering stuff either. Um, so you know, I don't know quite what the difference is between those two, in, in most uh, publications' rankings, why Gonzalez is so much higher than Littell. But um, but yeah, I agree with you that it, it, he's somebody that Falvey obviously targeted and wanted. And um, I'm certainly in in your camp. I'm I'm biased towards guys like that because I think Falvey knows pitching, and I think he knows what he's doing there. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 he gets stocked because he doesn't have the overpowering fastball or, um, you know, wipeout slider. But but his numbers are really strong. And, and you know, to, to put those numbers up in his age 21 season at AA is impressive. So, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens with him, I guess.
1: Uh, back end starter with three maybe average pitches would be more Kyle Gibson than Jose Barrios. But, um long-time listeners of the podcast will know I'm buying Gibson stock right now just because I think it's on sale. Does,
0: Does Kyle Gibson have three average MLB pitches?
1: You can definitely debate the fastball but I mean I think I'd put his sinker as average and I think if he's using his four seam fastball more now and using it up in the zone that it plays up better and then I'm not like the hugest fan in the world of his curve but last year he actually started using his slider to pretty good effect so Maybe there's three in there somewhere. And, like, depending on the day, he has three good or above-average pitches. But um, I I think I'm only buying Gibson stock because everyone's selling it for pennies on the dollar. Um, If he has a 4.25 ERA season, he'll have vastly exceeded most fans' expectations, and I think he could definitely do that. Um, Who was I going to ask? Oh, you know, moving off the starting... Uh, conversation Mm -hmm. for a minute. The Twins have a ton of relievers in camp. I had a real hard time. Uh, We were just watching Tyler Kinley throw on TV, the Rule 5 pick from the Marlins, who's got heat. And I didn't put him on my 25-man roster projection, but if I redid it again today, I probably would, just because, like, hey, keep your options open and keep him on the team, and if he flames out in April, then you offer him back, something like that. But you... Are spending a couple days in Fort Myers. Who, who among the relief prospects, whether they're on the verge of the majors or not, I, I don't care. Like you could include Tyler J in this conversation if you wanted to. Who are you most excited to follow this summer? Um, I guess whether they're going to be at Target Field or not, just among relievers in the Twins organization.
0: Yeah. So Kinley is an interesting case. He had a, he had a great uh, season in winter ball, which I think is part of the reason the the twins are excited about him um you know he has a huge fastball his fastball is in the upper 90s but his walk rate was really high uh last year and and throughout his career so um yeah he might make the team whether he sticks uh i think is an open question i i think he would have a better chance of sticking on a non-competitive team than a twin a team like the twins who are trying to win um but yeah it'll be interesting i mean obviously if he can put it all together he has a shot to be a, a legit um, reliever, but uh, outside of Kinley, I mean, buzanitz was fantastic last year. If you look at buzanitz 's numbers, I mean, in AAA A and the big leagues, he was phenomenal. He was pitching in the late innings of the wild card game against against New York, and he probably uh, won't make the the opening day roster. Or at least, I think there's a decent chance that that he won't because he has options left, and guys like Ryan Presley don't, and obviously Kinley, as a Rule Five guy, doesn't. So. Um, or can 't be sent down um, so i 'm excited to see uh you know whether he can repeat his success and then obviously tyler j i mean Tyler j has had uh a rough start to his career he just hasn 't been healthy uh they they started him he was a starter to to begin with he couldn't he couldn 't stay healthy they they switched him back to a reliever and um i mean when he a healthy tyler j uh is a legitimate in my mind, uh, you know, big league potential closer fire, you know, fireman type role, you know, the Andrew Miller um, type of role that that Hildenberger played last year. I think he could do that if he reaches his, you know, 90th percentile, but we haven't seen a healthy Tyler Jay in a couple of years. He barely pitched uh, last year and he, and he pitched in the AFL, but um, didn't pitch great had walked a lot of hitters. So um, if he can get the, the two plus pitches back, if he can get the fastball and the and the slider back to, to, you know, where he, they were projected to be when he was taken, what, six, fifth or six overall a couple of years ago, he could be a guy that could be in Minnesota by June, you know, if, 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 if it all comes together for him or he could flame out at double A. So, I mean, I think there's a huge range there, but I'm, I'm definitely excited to, uh, to watch Tyler. J. Jake Reed is another guy. I mean, he's got a big fastball. I know, you said that you you watched a bullpen of his and that was enough to convince you to to, to put him on the 25-man roster just just, just 10 minutes of, of fastballs was uh was enough for you so um yeah i mean the twins didn't protect him obviously he could have gotten taken in the rule 5 and nobody wanted him so that tells you what the league you know thinks about Jake Reed but he's got a big fastball he's he's put up fairly good numbers um the last couple of years in, in, in the minors, So, I mean, I think he's another guy along the same lines of, of Busenitz, um and, and, and Curtis and, and guys like that who have the big fastball, but maybe have some control issues. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a revolving door. I think a lot of those guys are going to go up and down. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I had to pick one, it would, it would probably be Tyler J just because I think the ceiling, the ceiling is, is still really high with him. If he can put it all together.
1: Uh Follow-up on Jay, and then I've got a question on Ryan Presley. Were you surprised Jay was not invited to big league camp? Maybe it's just a numbers game because there's so many people here, but uh, it seems like, I mean, plus everything you're saying, that in terms of upside, he's right up there near the top of the list, if not at the top of the list, among Twins relievers. Were you surprised he's not in big league camp?
0: Yeah, I w- I was surprised especially after they sent him to the Arizona Fall League because I you know, I don't I don't think they would have sent him there if they didn't think that he still had a lot of potential. I mean, it, you know, it's possible that they just see him as a guy who's who's fairly far away because of the injuries because he didn't pitch really uh, spectacularly well in the AFL. So, um but yeah, I I would have liked to see him in Big League Camp. I figured he would be a non-roster invite. Um so I don't know. I haven't asked Derek Falvey. I don't know if anybody's asked Falvey about why Jay's not here. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm surprised he's not in big league camp. But but you know, Hildenberger wasn't. So I talked to Hildenberger yet uh, this morning, and he said that this was his first big league camp, which is kind of amazing g- given what he did last year and was was you know p- again pitched in the playoffs like buzanitz And um, so th- so that doesn't mean Jay couldn't be you know getting elite left-handed hitters out by June or July in the big leagues. But, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised. That was a very long-winded way of saying
1: yes, I'm, I was surprised. <laughs> it's a podcast, so that's better than me handing you the microphone and just saying, yeah, a little, yeah, right. which should be, I would tend to do something like that. Um, uh, so I do want to ask you about Ryan Presley because though he's not a prospect anymore, we've all seen Ryan Presley and we've all been dazzled by his stuff at times. I mean, whether you're a scout or uh, uh, lean more towards the number crunching, Ryan Presley looks like he should be a great relief pitcher, like closer caliber stuff set up at, at a minimum, I'd say, that you know, he's got the big fastball, which not only has veloci- velocity, but he can also run up the good spin rate and use it up in the zone for strikeouts. But he also has two what I consider plus breaking balls. Now, I'm not a scout um and I'm not even like relative to people who work in baseball like I'm not even I'm not anywhere near the stratosphere of understanding the analytics that they run up on these players but from everything I've heard basically universally liked Ryan Presley out of minor league options has to make the team this spring training good start so far but you know it's early let's let's wait before we start celebrating roster spots um I guess I come down on the, I like Ryan Presley as a guy, but like in terms of as a as a pitcher, I tend to lean on the be patient with him, give him this opportunity. But I've also heard from so many people last summer and this winter who are just bored with it. At a certain point, you just are what you are. You're in your late 20s and you haven't figured it out. Are you bored with Ryan Presley or do you think this could possibly be the year that he breaks out as well? Well, let me preface this by saying that
0: I'm obviously also not a scout. Uh, really, I'm just a, a guy firing uh, some takes through the internet. So, uh, I, you know, yes, exactly. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But, um, yeah, I I can't figure out Ryan Presley, and I don't think I'm alone in that. He should be a lot better, as you were saying, than than he is. Um, but at some point, you are what you are, right? I mean, it's not like the sample size is small on Ryan Presley. He He's had, what, four years in the big leagues at this point and and really significant time um, in three of those years. I think the second year after his Rule 5 year, he spent most of the year in the minors. But, yeah, I mean, it's all there, right? I mean, the the stuff is, is there. I think pitch selection is an issue for him at times. Um, I think last year he gave up home runs on, you know, or, or or, a lot of hard contact on maybe his second or third best pitch when it's like, you know, why not go back to that uh, elite fastball with the high spin rate, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think pitch selection is an issue, but I I don't know. I, I'm baffled by Presley and why he's not better, because he was legitimately bad last year. And, I mean, he... The fact that they had to send him down when they really were desperately searching for bullpen options um, tells you a lot, you know? So... I think if I was the Twins, I would put him on the roster because there's still so much potential and he's out of options, and surely somebody would claim him uh, be, because he has so much upside. But, but this is his last chance. I mean, if, if he puts up a bad April and May, I, I've got to think that that's it for Ryan Presley, especially with um, the amount of, of prospects and hard-throwing prospects that they have waiting, uh, waiting in the wings of Triple-A
1: final question for you, Jake, and we'll let you get back to tending your notebook from Fort Myers. Um, the twin sign, Logan Morrison, and this is not a question about Logan Morrison, nor is it a question about Robbie Grossman, although I bet you that thought that's where I was going with this. Um, are you sad that this might be it for Kenny's Vargas? I mean, it looks like if everybody stays healthy, there's basically no shot he makes the team. He told me that he's getting with his agent to try to, find a place where he'll have an opportunity to play because he doesn't see it happening in Minnesota. But uh, still potential. You know, we've seen the power. He is getting into his late 20s now, but a lot of people jumping in my mentions to say the Twins are making a mistake by moving on from Kenny's Vargas. Um, I guess that's the question. is are, they, could, they could DFA him and trade him, or they could try to put him on outright waivers and send him to the minors if he clears, which... There's a non-zero chance he'd clear, but I'd think some bad team that needs a power-hitting first base might take a chance. Assuming that Kenny's Vargas is gone, uh, your thoughts? Well, I'm not
0: sad. Um, I haven't shed any tears over the potential loss of, of Kenny Vargas yet. I mean, it, it's certainly uh, possible that in, in late March uh, I'll be sitting in a dark room somewhere. Feeling sentimental and and you know replaying his game tying home run at Target Field last year over and over, um, but uh, yeah, I mean I I just he's not David Ortiz and people just because he looks like David Ortiz and has a similar body as David Ortiz, well there are a lot of guys that have a similar body as David Ortiz and most of them aren't or won't be you know one of the greatest hitters of their generation. So uh, I just think with Vargas. It, He takes such bad at-bats, in my opinion. Um, Not that situational hitting, I mean, that that can be something that's maybe overrated, but I just, there were a lot of times last year where I said to myself, you know, that, whether it was, you know, to try to get a a runner, you know, to hit a sack, fly, get a runner in from third late in a close game when something like that might actually make sense, um, and, and striking out on three pitches instead, or, um, you know, just never taking the bat off his shoulder or whatever. I just, to me, he he hasn't figured out quite who he is as a hitter, and and you know he's had a lot of opportunities. He's been up and down four years and hasn't been able to stick. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just I don't see. I, I think the Morrison signing was a pretty clear indication that the Twins are are pretty much done with him. Uh, it it's it's unfortunate because he seems like a great guy, and the limited interactions I've had with him, he's. A very nice guy, and and uh, I was a little surprised that he was so upfront about saying there's no spot for me on this team, and and talking to his agent that that seemed out of character, I guess, for him based on what I know. Um, but you know, I, it's he's not wrong, right? I mean, it, the, the Morrison signing was was pretty clear. So um, yeah, I, I I think if he turns into David Ortiz, and I will gladly uh, say that I was wrong, but I think Vargas is um, you know his defense is not very good and i think that's putting it um i i i, th- I think that's over maybe understating it um I, I, I think he's a liability in the field and so he has to hit a lot of bombs to to justify his spot on the 25 man roster and i don't know that he's been able to do that uh consistently enough to to just to to to, to stick so i do want to talk about one more guy if we can for 2 minutes Okay, okay. Well, so I know that you are the president of the Robbie Grossman fan club. Uh you're his his number one fan. Um I am am trying to to become president of the uh Lamont Wade fan club. I've submitted the paperwork. I'm hoping to hear back uh any day. I think he is basically uh everything you like about Robbie Grossman with a better glove. Um you know, he has hit for uh, his on base percentage has been four hundred or, or better, pretty much every year um, in the in the big leagues, and that goes back to his college days. And I t- I asked him about it yesterday, and he basically said when he got to Maryland, uh, he learned pretty quickly from th- his coaches really emphasized on base percentage, and he learned pretty quickly that if he didn't get on base, he wasn't going to play. Um, and that really changes approach at the plate he hates um, he 's he's, he's similar to Joe Mauer in, in how much he dislikes uh, swinging at the first pitch He said he likes to see everything a pitcher has to offer and he gets on base at an elite rate and he 's done it at every level um, and If he can do that again at triple A to me he could potentially pass that granted as being the the sort of you know first option if if an outfielder gets hurt or if they you know need an extra guy in in the outfield um so i really like lamont wade and i i I, whether he can be an everyday uh player as a corner outfielder with not a lot of pop is an open question but i do think he has a lot of value as as potentially a robbie grossman type so there you go
1: well then i'd be vice president i guess if he's similar to grossman uh just to make one quick correction uh I think you said in the big leagues, but he hasn't surfaced in the big leagues. Lamont Wade. I think you said elite uh, on base skills at every level in the big leagues, but I knew what you meant. You meant oh, yes. in the minor leagues, yes. each step of the ladder since the Twins drafted him. Uh,
0: is if he can replicate that in the big leagues, he would have a lot of value.
1: Yes. And that actually brings me to my final question. I lied to you when I told you that my last question was my last question. Um, now that. Logan Morrison is installed as probably the primary DH. We'll see how many plate appearances he gets. Joe Maurer at first base. Miguel Sano probably at third base. Um, The bench is a little weird because maybe you have Adrianza and Escobar as your sort of utility do-everything guys. Then you've got a catcher, Mitch Garver's back on the field, and he's probably the backup. With that final bench spot, are you going, if these are your only options, Zach Granit or Robbie Grossman?
0: Robbie Grossman, without question. Yeah, I, I I think that Grossman's, as has been talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, and, and I've enjoyed listening to it, but <laughs> Robbie Grossman has an elite skill. Uh, he gets on base at a 360 to 380 clip, and that has a lot of value. Um, the Morrison signing obviously has some consequences for in, in terms or some implications in terms of his playing time uh, and how many at bats he's going to get, but um, I just think that the, the starting outfield defense is so solid that you can get away with having Grossman as your fourth outfielder, um, even though he's a bit of a defensive liability. I just I, I don't I think because. Kepler, Rosario, and Buxton are so good defensively. Having Granite there primarily for his defense maybe wouldn't be as valuable as if you had an Elswald Al-Arcia or a Josh Willingham type at, at corner outfield where you would potentially bring Granite in late in the game as a defensive replacement. I don't know that you need to do that with any of these guys. And so I think for those reasons, I would I would go with Grossman.
1: All right, he's a Robbie Grossman fan. That means you can come back on the podcast. Uh, that's Jake DePew. You can find his work at 1500ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Jake DePew, right? Yeah. It used to be at Curse of Punto, so you've maybe heard of him under his pen name, and now he's, uh, he's coming out in the world. Uh, he's dropped the Mark Twain, and now we've uh, we've welcomed Samuel Clemens to his first podcast.
0: Based on how many followers I have, I would guess you probably have not heard of <laughs> me. But, uh, yes, feel free to follow. Fair
1: enough. All right, Jake, thank you for coming on the Touch them podcast. We'll talk to you again this summer.
0: All right, thank you.